Amen. I'm going to start something today. I don't know if we'll finish it or not, but uh, I want to talk about grace and truth. Amen. There are people who try to separate those things, but they go together like bread and butter. <laughs> Amen. Um, there are people who, uh, and I, I want to really make this re really clear and I want to teach on this line by line so that you won't be fooled when you start talking about grace and God's unmerited favor and this wonderful good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there, are, there are people who will rise up and say, well, yeah, that's cool about God's grace and his kindness, but uh, you also need to tell people the truth. And what they mean by that is, is, is they're really talking about trying to balance grace and truth. It's like some people need to be told that they need to, be, need to straighten up. You need to give people the truth. And they see love as, as, as the kindness of God and, and truth is, the, is, is God's demand. But uh, actually, let's see what the, the Bible says about it. How about that? Amen. So we'll just jump right into John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. And the Word, Jesus is the Word. He became, this is the Lagos, became flesh. This is very important as we get into this. Say the Word became flesh. See, God came down in the person of Jesus Christ. You could touch him. You can feel him. Corresponding book to John is the book that John wrote by the Holy Spirit. First uh, John, he said, that which we've seen with our eyes, which are our hands of handle. Because in that first chapter of First John, John is dealing with Gnostics who did not believe that Jesus came in the flesh. He said, we beheld him with our eyes. Our hands have handled the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. It's all about Jesus, people. Amen? Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The word dwelt among us. We beheld, we saw him. We, we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. Jesus is grace personified. Amen. Grace is not a message. Grace is a person, and his name is Jesus. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. If you really want to break this down, grace is mentioned here in this passage more than truth is. Not that they're separated, they go together as we'll, as we'll see. It, it doesn't say of his fullness we have all received and uh, truth for truth, it says grace for grace. But where you have grace, you have truth. All right? 
Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So on on one hand, we have the law. And on the other hand, the law came through who? Through Moses. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So truth, you see, is not on the side of Moses. It doesn't have to do with the law. See, the, prin- the principle of the law, the law is all about demand. Grace is all about supply. And here's something very important. The law was given through a servant. It was given. But grace came personally. See, grace came. See, grace is a person. Jesus Christ came is, is, a, is a personal t- uh, word. So grace and truth, the law was given by Moses. Dr- grace and truth came through Jesus. So you, you can't separate the, tr- the two, okay? Truth is on the side of grace. Thank you, Jesus. The, and the word came also, it, it is a singular verb. Say singular. Came is a verb, and it, but it's singular in the Greek, which means that the Greek treat, treats grace and truth as one item. Okay, that's the first thing. And that, that really proves it right there, but we're going we're to break this down even further. Okay, so the law was given through a servant, but grace came personally. See, it's, it's kind of like I can, I can give you a gift card and send it through an email, maybe a Starbucks gift card. Or I can come to your house and give it to you. That's what God did through Jesus. See, the law was given through the servant Moses. Grace came personally through the son. The law was sent from a distance with boundaries around Mount Sinai. And God said, don't, don't even come near. Don't come near. Even, even if a beast would touch the mountain, it would die. So, so the message was, don't come near. But with grace, Jesus came near. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. Let's look at some differences between the law and grace. Just a couple. The law requires righteousness from sinfully bankrupt man. But grace imparts righteousness to man. Again, the law is all about demand. Grace is about supply. The law demands righteousness from a man who's sinfully bankrupt and can't keep it. Grace supplies righteousness, imparts righteousness to man. 
And it's amazing that still today, people try to mix law and grace. Well, you know, I understand grace, but I still believe that God judges people. Jesus was judged already. God is not judging you believers. Amen? He's not even judging the sinner. All judgment came upon Jesus on the cross. So there is no more condemnation, no judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's always people who want you to pay for your sins. Well, are you going to pay? Now, I'm not an advocate for sin. I don't promote sin. I promote Jesus. But what my message is, is the same message of Paul. It's nothing new. Grace is nothing new. It's that Jesus already paid for your sin. Well, what about sin? They're canceled on the cross. If they're canceled, then there cannot be any judgment for me. In fact, our message to the world is God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not talking about the world not imputing their trespasses to them. Imputing is an accounting term. He's not holding your sins against you. Therefore, what is he judging you for? If he removed your sins and he's no longer holding your sins against you, he's taken away your sins, your attitude should be, according to Hebrews, you shouldn't even have any consciousness of sin. See the, see, the law says, as Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, an eye, uh, excuse me, uh, what the law talked about was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. See, that's, that's the law. But what Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. Man, listen to, listen to what that says. Let me show you that real quick. Love your enemies. Do, do good to those that hurt you. Watch this. It says, bless those that curse you. How many of you do that? Don't say anything. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those, not who use you, who spitefully use you. Not just use you, spitefully use you and persecute you. Now how in the world, tell me how in the world are you going to do that? You can't, not in your own self and your own strength. You can't do that. You, you, Jesus got to love them people through you if you let him. Let him out. You got to let, let Jesus out of some people. Huh? Kind of the opposite of what happens to that old boy that turns into the Hulk. He tried to, he tried to keep the Hulk from coming out. Uh, <laughs> right? But see, you got an incredible Hulk on the inside of you. Praise God. You got the lion of the tribe of Judah on the end. You let him out, and man, he'll love them people. If you just get out the way, say, Lord, you got to help me with this person. Amen. I mean, he knows that. He knows that, that you deal with folk. <laughs> and see, 
Don't think that you'll be taken advantage of. Because, see, God, even those people that, that come against you hard and strong, see, God has always got your back. And pray for them. Because God can turn them around. And hopefully they, they turn around. If they don't, you know what? God's going to defend you. Oh, yeah. I said, God's, God will defend you. And you don't have to worry about a thing. But see, that law said, an eye for an eye and a two for two. See, here's something else. The law said, I'm not going to pass by your sins. But I'm going to, oh, man, do, do people preach that? See, on, on one hand, they say, well, I preach grace, but I, I, I still think that God's going to judge you. Look, look at this. In Exodus, it said, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers. I know y'all, some of y'all heard this preach. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Man, and many a message has been preached on that. But what's that? That's mixing law and grace. On the other hand, they'll talk about God loves you, which God's love is unconditional. On the other hand, it, it says that, no, he's not going to clear the guilty. He's not going to pass over your sins, but he's going to visit your sins on your children and on your grandchildren, even to the third and fourth generation. Boy, and you see, that puts fear into people. Anytime that you hear a message that you feel fear, that promotes fear is not the gospel. But what does the new covenant say? So you can't, you can't have both. God says your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the new covenant. You can't have both. And this is why people are confused in church. On one hand, you know, God forgives you and he won't remember your sins. Another, uh, on the other hand, he's going to visit you. Not just you, your children, your grandchildren. <laughs> Everybody's guilty. Thank God for grace. See, the cross changed everything. So, so truth, as we see, is on the side of grace. But people try to separate. You try to say, well, you need to have a balance between God's, God's kindness and then sometimes you're going to have to be hard on people. Sometimes you're going to have to give people a, a wake-up call. You've got to give them the truth. You've got to tell them about themselves. You've got to straighten them out. You've got to tell them about God's demands, God's requiring this of you. You're going to have to stop acting a fool. See, I'm not promoting sin. Again, I always have to give this disclaimer. I'm not promoting that people act a fool. What I am promoting is trust the Holy Spirit to change people. You don't need Barney Fives in the body of Christ. People that go around um, showing people where they're wrong. The Holy Spirit will correct people, and the Holy Spirit... He is gentle. He's gentle with it. Say, so he's gentle with it. He'll guide you kind of like a nav system. I'm glad that some, some of y'all don't, not y'all, but 
your, your friends and relatives don't make the nav system commands. Right? Because if you miss a turn two, three, four times, they're through with you. Like, like you know what? I'm shutting down right now because you don't listen to a, th a word I say. You're just going to go where, whatever you want. So go on with your bad stuff. Some of you might put some cussing in there. May even put a, a message on the screen with the middle finger up or something. Uh, uh, but the Holy Spirit is better, better than a nav system. When you miss it, you know, he'll gently guide you in the right direction. He's never going to beat you up. People talk about, the, well, he'll convict you. That's not even in the Bible. Oh, yes, it is. I know what you're talking about. And, and it does say he'll convict, but you've got to find out who he's convicting. He's convicting the world, not the believer. He's convicting the world, not of sins. See, people read that, that he'll convict you of your sins. That's not what the Bible says. He'll convict you of sin, singular, not you, the world of sin, singular. And it tells us what the sin is, the sin of not believing in me. What we don't hear a lot of is what the Bible talks about in that same passage. He'll, he'll convict you, and, and you, he was talking to his disciples, which are like us, he says, he'll convict you of righteousness. Now, how much do you hear that preach? That's what the Holy Spirit is busy doing today, convincing us of righteousness. That's why you need to listen to New Covenant preaching. Because New Covenant preaching will preach under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who is convincing you. The Holy Spirit is right now through me convincing you that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Sometime when I'm riding my bicycle, I'm saying over and over, I am the righteousness of God. I said this 30 times the other day. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and about the favor of God that's on my life. And I mean, I just, you, you convince, see, that's what confession does. It persuades your own heart. It doesn't make God do anything. It, 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 it convinces your own heart. When you're irritable, just say over and over, Jesus loves me. I am loved by the Father. Huh? Amen. When somebody's cussing you out on a job, that's not, who, that's not who you are. They're calling you everything but a child of God and calling you names, stuff like that. Huh? I know uh, there's one basketball player. He was cussed at so much. They said, uh, he said he thought his name was ML. <laughs> thought that was his name. Was his coach called him that. So. But no matter, no, see, you are who God says you are. Huh? You look in the mirror, and the mirror tells you who you are, see, and you're loved. And see, so when you understand that, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Nothing will separate you from his love. People will separate you from their love, 
but nothing will separate you from the love of the Father. And that is so important. Oh my, let me, let me move along here. Praise God. So, truth is not demands. Again, let's camp out on this verse for a minute. Grace and truth, the Greek treats it as one item. Came, everybody say came. They came is a singular verb. Say 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 came is a singular verb. Why is that important? Because two items indicate plural. Grace and truth is followed by a singular verb. So grace. Man, when you start really breaking this down, but let, 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 let's go for I don't want to get ahead of myself. All right, now, when you go into the Old Testament, you see, uh, we'll, we'll look at a, a couple of examples. But first, I want to uh, tell you about the Hebrew Bible. Uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. However, uh, the, the New Testament Greek just like it's been translated into English, is also translated into Hebrew. And in the Hebrew Bible, I want to teach you a little bit of Hebrew, and this is about all the Hebrew I know. I've been studying Greek, and I'm going to make my way into the Hebrew. But in the Hebrew Bible, grace and truth reads like this. Hased ve amet. Say hased. Say ve, amet. So an is, is ve, which is a conjunction. So hased is a Hebrew word for grace. A, a, a man named Dillage, who was a Hebrew scholar, he said that hased means grace. And in the Hebrew Bible, it reads hased ve amet. Amet is the Hebrew word for truth. So it, it, it reads like in the Hebrew, I, I believe it reads, Hased ve amet came through Yeshua HaMashiach. Now, in the Old Testament, you see, uh, like in Psalm, we'll look at some other examples, but in Psalm 118, where it says, His mercy endures forever. The translators have trouble translating that word uh, translated mercy, his mercy endures forever. You see that over and over in the New Testament. We'll look at it and an example of it today. But um, it's translated, uh, the word translated mercy is hased. And translators have trouble translating it. Dillage, the Hebrew scholar, said it means grace. And, but it's translated so many different ways. And sometimes, sometimes it's translated mercy like in Psalm 118. Sometimes it's translated faithful love. These, these are how it's translated. I looked at various translations, and this is how different uh, Bible versions translate this word, hased. Everybody say, hased. Mercy. Some, tra some translate, y'all stop. Some translations translated mercy. Other translations, faithful love. Love. Loving kindness, 
steadfast love, loyal love. Let's look at Lamentations. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those. But what really capsulizes the whole word is grace. So we can say the Lord is good and his hased. Hased is, is, that, is that word in the Hebrew. We can say his grace endures forever. Lamentations, through the Lord's mercies, Lamentations 3.22, through the Lord's mercies that said, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Boy, isn't that the truth? Thank God. Everybody say, thank God for that. It's through his hased or his, his, his grace. It's because of his grace, thank God, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. See, he loves us. See, everything, what is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. And so, love, why does, why does grace capsulize that word, you know, Haset, because we have his love because of his unmerited favor, because of his favor on our lives. He is chosen to favor us. It's, grace is not favor. Grace is unmerited favor. Because we receive what we didn't deserve. We receive it because Jesus deserved it. His compassions fail not. I love this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What's new every morning? His set. Say, his said is new every morning. Say, his grace is new every morning. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at Psalm 136. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his said endures forever. That's that word said again. You can look at Psalm 118, it says the same thing. His said endures forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to close talking about, I don't know how long it will take me to close. But you're going to love this, man. When I saw this, man, whoo, I got so excited. Say, Hesed Amet. Okay. Grace and truth. Now, we're going to see this. We're going to, you're going to see that truth is not talking about God's demand. But they are together. Grace and truth are together. And it's talking about God's goodness, God's kindness. Um, I'm going to give you the backdrop of what we're about to go into um, into Second Samuel. And so uh, 
the backdrop of this is that the Philistines invaded Israel. This is how Saul's life came to an end. God had anointed David to be king. And so uh, Saul, you know, he really turned into a bad king. And so uh, the, the Philistines came in and invaded Israel. And they had killed three of Saul's sons, including Jonathan. And they were about to go after Saul. But Saul, he said, he told his armor bearer to kill him because he didn't want to die at the hands of the Philistines. The the armor bearer didn't do it. He didn't didn't want to do it. So what Saul did is he fell on his sword and killed himself. Then the armor bearer killed himself. Well... The Philistines end up, they, uh, you know, they chased them out of the land, but then they, they, um, they captured Saul's sons, killed them, three of his sons. And then uh, in the, the aftermath of it, they found Saul and his three sons that were dead, and what they did is they decapitated them, took, took them to Bashan, and uh, took their bodies and fastened them to the city wall of Bashan. Now, there were these men who were honorable men of Israel, of, of uh, Jabesh Gilead, who had went in by night. They snuck in and took the bodies of, of Saul and his, and his sons off of that wall that the Philistines had fastened to the wall. And they took them, took them back, and gave them a, a proper burial. They burned the bodies and then took the, uh, the bones and buried them underneath this tree. Now, David heard about it. And watch this. In 2 Samuel, y'all still with me? David heard about what they had done. In 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 5, so David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said to them, you are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show Hased Ve'amet. Now he wasn't talking about no, you know, well, we gotta we gotta correct these folks. For their wrongdoing. We got to give them the truth and correct. No, this wasn't about, it was about rewarding them. God repaying them with kindness and truth. Guess what that word kindness is in the Hebrew? Hased. You can look it up for yourself. I'm not making this stuff up. I had a guy that came. He came and he had his, brought his son who was a Buddhist. And, uh, and this guy, he, he's not a church guy. And he asked the Buddhist, sitting right here, he said, is that stuff that Al's preaching, is that true or is he just making that up? <laughs> Amen. I believe, uh, I shared this with him, uh, not this, but just sharing grace with a minister. And the good thing that he told, told me was, he said, I'm going to go be like those Berean Christians and check those things out to see if they're so. Just go check them out. See, we got to dig into the Word. Amen? 
you know, some folks, and I'm not picking on anybody, some folks, folks just get to preaching, and they, they know three verses and they start a church. And then you have people who go to their church because they like them. Now, I think you ought to like the pastor, but I don't think that that should be top on the list. A person could be a good speaker, but they don't, they don't study. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. Because it's easy. Listen, I'm telling you, I've been in this for so long. It's easy to just grab a verse out of the Old Testament. And a lot of times you just hear somebody preach it and then you preach it. But if you study this thing out, man, you can see it. This is, this is not God bringing judgment on these people, right? Um, David is rewarding them for an honorable thing. Y'all getting something out of this? He said, may the Lord show you grace and truth. Again, the Hebrew Bible says, Grace and truth, hased ve'amet, came through Jesus Christ, Yeshua Hamashiach. Thank you, Jesus. So you can't separate. You see, it's like the butter and the bread. You can't separate grace and truth. Both of these words have to do with the love and the kindness of the Lord. His, his unmerited favor. May the Lord show you hased ve'amet. And I also will repay you this kindness because you have done this thing. Now, last verse, John 8, 32. Now, you've heard this verse over and over. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It'll set you free, but it'll do more than that. It'll make you free. Now, this is not, this is the same book. This is not talking about, cannot be talking about the law. Because the people, listen, the people that, that, that Jesus is talking to here, this is Jesus talking, and these people that he's talking to, they grew up with the law from childhood. He can't be talking about the truth of the law. They already knew the law. And he, he's talking about if you continue in my word, okay, if we look at, I don't have that, that up, but in, in verse 31, the verse before that, if you continue in whose word? My word, not Moses' word. If you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. See, they already had Moses. But Hased Ve'amet came through Jesus Christ. You continue in my word. All right? You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? And uh, so you had Moses who appeared. You had Elijah who appeared. And Jesus was with his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And so they had the appearance of Moses and Elijah. And Peter, James, and John, they got so excited. They said, let's build three tents here. One for Moses, 
one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. You remember what happened? The voice came from heaven, and he said, this, I missed this for years. This is my beloved son. Okay, wait a minute. Moses represented the law. Elijah represented the prophets. The voice from heaven, from Father God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. <laughs> huh? Woo, glory to God. The law came through Moses. Said they met, came. Grace and truth came down personally. Walked and dwelt among us. He knows, grace knows what you're going through. Because he was tempted at all points like as we are. Yet without sin. Thank you, Lord. The law said, don't come near. If a beast touches the, this, this Mount Sinai, he'll be killed. Grace said, come near. Jesus came near for us. Thank you, Lord. So you shall know the truth. What's the truth? Grace is the truth. You can say, you shall know grace, and grace will make you free. Freedom is in grace. Huh? Guess that logo, that logo don't intimidate me. That logo, I'm going to keep preaching. I'm still on John 8.32. They ready to shut me down up there, man. <laughs> Say, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God praise right now. Ooh, man. Aren't you glad the truth will never bring you judgment? The truth will never bring you condemnation. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 